Hey, good morning. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. This is your first time listening. Welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us on a Monday. Happy Monday to everybody out there. If it's Monday where you're at. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor and uh, subscribe and thumbs this video up if you can. If you're on Facebook, do me a favor and share and like this. Uh, the algorithm doesn't like it when we don't pay for advertising, so I could use all of the help I can get with you, the with listeners or watchers of this video, uh, sharing it. So. And if any of the podcast platforms, if you're on those as well, listening to this, because this will air as a podcast uh, audio only, if you're on those uh, platforms, do me a favor and subscribe. I could really use the subscribers. That helps me become new and noteworthy on the podcast platforms themselves. So today or this morning, it's 7 a.m. in California, my time, uh, my guest is from the U.K., and I believe it's probably the afternoon, uh, early afternoon, where she is at. And I will be talking to Amanda Lennon. And she's going to talk to us about some of the struggles that she's had in her life. Uh, I believe it's with alcoholism. But first, we're going to go run right into uh, my intro. Because I'm doing things a little bit differently. Because it, it seems like before, that it, it's just a still picture and nothing uh, coming on. So... We're going to roll into this intro, and then we'll be right back with uh, Amanda. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. And we're back. What's Yay! up, Amanda? <clears throat> Not much. Um, it's three. It's three p.m. here in London, um, and it's like our first day out of um, lockdown three. So they're o reopening the shops and stuff today. Um, so I'm staying away from the carnage, quite frankly. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's funny. Everything seems to be just um, magically opening up <laughs> all over at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's another discussion we should yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, for a different show and a different a different day, a different topic. Um, cool. So let's give a little context as to how you and I came to meet. Um, clubhouse uh that just seems to be where i'm 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 uh waiting and, and hanging out these days uh is over in clubhouse uh and i met amanda in a room 
Um, I think I was talking in a speaker room and uh, you reached out to me and, and told me a little bit about your story or you wanted to be on the show to share your experience, strength and hope with uh, some of the things that you've gone through in your life. And uh, I love the perspectives of people from different countries because I think it's important that we, we get uh, information from all over instead of just our own you know, our own country and our own perspective, because things are different everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree with you. And um, I think a lot of my perceptions um, are influenced by 12 step program, which is actually very American. So, um, But it's, uh, it's, that's not my only perceptions. Like I've traveled a lot and um, I like to see myself as someone who uh, listens and reads a lot and, so uh yeah but i'm i'm certainly influenced by different cultures and like to hear different cultures and um and i've been it's one of the reasons i like clubhouse but i actually have gone there to overcome my fear of public speaking so uh thank you for letting me come here today and uh be brave well thank you for for showing up and uh you know being willing to, to share your story and, and your inspiration and, you know, where you are and, and you know, where you were and, and where you are now. Okay. So why don't we, why don't we dive into um, what happened, uh, you know, kind of what, you know, what led you to, you know, your, your struggles and, you know, where you found yourself with nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. I mean, it's a really long story. <laughs> But, and in the end, I mean, it wasn't up for me. It was rehab. There was only one place for me to go, and that was rehab center where I was um, detoxed from alcohol and uh, benzos and uh, array of other stuff. Um, Mind-altering, life-devastating substances. And I had been um, drinking alcohol for 23 years, 19 years um chronically daily addictively um and drug addict for 12 years um and i was the i'm i'm, I'm what they consider the chronic type so um you know alcohol and addictions affects different people differently depending i guess on your um your traumas your mindset uh, your spiritual condition, your values, your beliefs, where you can't like, you know, it's addictions, not it's something that happens to people from every walk of life who have had an array of different experiences. But the, the connection between all of us seems to be that we can't manage ourselves or, or the world that we live in as well, perhaps as other people do. And so we use substances in a way to, uh, alleviate that but for me it was about fun I'd say that my first addiction was excitement when I was like seven you know I was a really shy sweet little girl but I just loved getting in trouble I just loved like you know being naughty at school and climbing trees and you know falling over I was just a bit of a tomboy and um addiction to excitement and um, drinking was really the solution to my shyness to myself of being me to um, the world that I lived in. And it really was for me um, the, the solution and not the problem for a really, really long time. You know, I, was, I thought for a long time that poverty was my problem. I come from a really kind of average working class, uh, single mother, 
um, you know, slightly dysfunctional family, as we all do, and um, or as many people do. And um, and I thought poverty was my problem. So I really set out to get things that I wanted, which is interesting because it's the same concept, using something outside of yourself to make you feel better. And by the time I was 20 or 21, I had, you know, all the things that I didn't have growing up. And I had a, a great relationship with an actor and I was jet setting and I bought my own house in a really nice area and all this stuff. And I think the alcohol had stopped working and I came to a place of deep desperation. And that that should have been the end for me. But instead, you know, I, I understood what sobriety meant. I understood that I was an alcoholic and I made a conscious decision that that was definitely not going to be something I was going to do. And I took the, yeah, I took the choice of adding other substances to the alcohol to, um, fill the void mm -hmm. in me that I know today and uh you know I just ran riot and created carnage everywhere I went for the next 12 years and destructed destruction destruction destroyed my life chaos carnage um and there was a lot of pain for me there was a lot of pain for other people there were consequences for me and for other people um and my drinking and using was somewhat horrific in the end um, I, I kind of got to a rock bottom at 25, you know, I, I had a ruptured stomach, you know, I was, you know, bleeding internally. And from there, I kind of got myself into bottom and then just dragged myself along there for eight and a half years. Um, and it wasn't all bad, you know, and, uh, and I, uh, I was very blessed not to end up dead or in prison, um, at probably things that, you know, I, I was lucky, even in all of it, you know, I see myself as blessed. Um, look, my, my last rock bottom, like I said, I had been there for a really long time. It was nothing significant. It was what I like to call my divine storm. You know, everything that, everything in my life that I held a value that quite frankly were not of great value because there was nothing left to really have was removed, taken away, smashed and demolished by me, of course, in the space of two weeks. And um, I had this moment um, where I was, you know, devastated yet again by the, by the, by my lifestyle. And I was asking and crying, why does this stuff keep happening to me? Makes me smile today because that was the, that was when I had my moment of clarity, a moment where, where I was told very clearly in my head that it wasn't happening to me, that I had created all of it and that I was the problem. And if I was the problem, then I could have the solution. <sighs> and it's been a hell of a journey. Um, <laughs> from, I got myself, I was very, very blessed once again to go to rehabilitation treatment center for alcoholics and drug addicts. And I stayed there for two months um, on Thursday this week, on the 15th, it will be eight years since I used my last drink or mind-altering substance. Um, Congratulations. That's, mm -hmm. that's a big accomplishment. Usually five is where people uh, uh, slip. 
you know, that five year, a five year mark is, I don't know if, you know, I, I remember when I was in the rooms and, you know, it, it would usually be around, you know, one year and five years are when people would, would relapse. And, you know, and so congratulations, you made it over that hump. Thank you, Sean. Um, it's not been easy. It's been the most incredible journey. I feel blessed and grateful for everything that I've been through and everything that's ever happened so that I can I can embark on now what I now know is a spiritual journey. Um, I love personal development. Like I'm two feet in. Like this is what I do for a living. It's, um, you know, I love helping other people. I believe that my story is valuable because it helps other people and for no other reason. And, and for that, I will always continue to um, speak out and help others if, if I can. Um, do you want to ask questions? Because I, I will ramble oh, forever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. We got a comment from Francis David. She said, may God, who is never sleeping, continue to give you strength and protection and boldness. You are blessed so divinely share your test and great testimony thank you francis that's beautiful and exactly how i see it yeah it's um definitely i mean so one one question i want to ask is you know and it may not it may not apply to you but uh you know my for most of the people that i've i talked to when we talk about um you know, your traumas and everything else in your life, you know, a lot of them have traumas in their childhood that mm -hmm. stem and, and, you know, move things along. And, you know, it's untreated trauma that kind of, you know, spins out of control and has us trying to fill that void with all kinds of different things, but it's not always the rule. You know, sometimes, you know, people don't experience those traumas until later in life. And so mm -hmm. uh, where do you fall in that category if you want to share? If you don't want to share that, then that's fine too. Actually, it's a very interesting thing that you bring up because it is what I've been going through in the last year. And so um, these, things, these things affect different people differently. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge our trauma, whatever that trauma is. Um, I have what I believe to be childhood trauma. Um, you know, I had a violent drunken stepdad. Um, my mum raised two children by herself in London, like hundreds of miles away from her home. And um, there was a lot of moving around and there was, uh, there was violence in my home and there was a lot of anger and, and unhealed trauma and it was also a place of great love and great fun. And um, I would say that my greatest traumas came later through my own addictions. I took myself to some dark and dangerous places and layered my childhood trauma with grown up trauma. Mm. that's uh that's interesting mm -hmm. so having learned all of that and, and going through what you've gone through and looking back on on you know everything and, and where you are now because i i can completely identify with you when you talk about you know 
destroying and and the carnage that we leave in our wake and you know i was like a tasmanian devil and it didn't matter what i touched i turned it into shit and you know i I had the opposite of the midas touch you know and um it was uh when i look back on it it's like man you know the manipulations and and you know the the kind of person that i was um where people just didn't matter it was it was you were you weren't a person you were just an asset that i it was either you know expendable or it was you know a liability or or anything that would fit into what an asset is, you know, I never looked at people as people uh, when I was, when I was in my addiction. Mm, I get that. Do you feel sort of the same way when you think about your carnage or was it different? I mean, I was, I went through really different stages of, of, of my sickness and I've been lucky in my life to have attracted some really wonderful friends and uh, great partners um, and also some really sick, unwell people, as people like us do. Um, and I'd like to say that, that all of what was going on outside of me and all of my relationships are a symptom of what I'm going through and where I'm at. So if I'm surrounded by a group of good people, it's because that's my state and that's what I'm attracting at that time. And, you know, towards the end of my addictions, I mean, it really was, you know, the, the, the bottom of the pulpit. And, you know, my manipulation was always centered around getting what I want. And so for me, I always just wanted to be drunk. So that's really easy, right? So it was as long as you didn't come into my life and uh, uh, test my my uh, my values or my drinking or challenge where I really wanted to be left alone. And a lot of my stuff was I can be quite kind and quite generous. Um, in order to be left alone to drink and do what I want when I want. Um, And I really tried to uphold and maintain the image that I had in real life, probably till I was about 25 or 26. And I was like, I just don't care. It was such hard work. Um, And there was manipulation certainly involved in that. But I think you attract what you are. And I, I don't think that people are necessarily... Um, always like victims so if you're an alcoholic you know it's very likely that your partners are codependent you know it's it's unlikely that you can you can be a really sick person and attract someone who's really well and healthy and has a, a full heap of self-worth so I think what really happens is that sick people join together and manipulate and abuse each other and create more trauma and often pass that on um, to other people, it's, uh, unhealed, unhealed on unhealed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Because usually, when you when you're running from one relationship to the next relationship, you just you pull all of that baggage with you. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going on to the next one, and then it's this this unsuspecting person. And if mm-hmm. you know you're you're in that 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 shit, you know what I mean? Uh, of like your own. Uh, manifestations of of everything that you're bringing to you um you know you just unload that onto the next unwilling participant right and it's like wham 
And there you go. And then the more you keep doing that, the and you know, now you're bringing the traumas from or the you know the dysfunctionality from that new relationship, and I throw right in the bag and let's go again. And uh, here we go. We're on to the next one. So it never, ever, ever gets dealt with until you hit a point like you and I have done, where you got nowhere to go but up. But to look at to look to stop looking beyond, you know for the problem and start looking at, well, shit, I'm the common denominator of, of everything that, that I'm going through, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you know, for me, it was like, you're the toxic person in every relationship that you go to. So, and, and in the room, uh, you know, most of the time and coming to that realization is very difficult. Mm, And I love what you said about the common denominator, because I would have these huge catastrophic dramas or even tragedies every like year to 18 months. And and just before I went to treatment, I was nearly 34 and I was kind of looking back over it in my pain of like, how could I be so unlucky? <laughs> I'm totally missing. what What's present during all these dreadful things? Oh, it's me, me. I'm, I'm the person that's there creating all of this stuff. And, you know, like my early sobriety, a lot of it is about amends. And a lot of it is, you know, I sit here today in a state where I've done much healing and a lot of work on myself. It was not like this eight years ago. Like I hated myself for what I'd done. I despised what I had become and I had a lot of amends to make and I had a lot to make up for and I I thought I would never forgive myself. I thought I didn't deserve to be forgiven. I wanted to suffer forever. That would be an apt punishment for my behaviour. I really didn't understand that that was all part of a mindset that just kept me um, inflicting more crap on people you know Mm -hmm. and um once I realized that that didn't serve anybody including me not only that but I didn't deserve that one I didn't know better if you don't know better you can't do better yeah and when I did I did well after a while um and (laughs) it takes it I have to bang my head against the wall for a while first and two that I could be of use and I could be of help. And what had all this brought me to? And what it had brought me to was something greater than I had ever imagined that I could even be. And so I became grateful for it all. And and I do like fully forgive myself. And I sit here fully imperfect today and still showing up and making mistakes. And I'm okay with that. And that doesn't mean that I go around causing carnage without any thought anymore, because that's what I did before. But it means that I I do it with love and kindness. Whatever I do, I do it with love and kindness for myself, because I know that I'm doing the best that I can. Yeah, and I think that's really important for, you know, anybody that, that is dealing with somebody or has somebody in their life that is trying to, you know, get beyond you know whatever issue that they have whether it's alcoholism whether it's addiction whether it's you know you name it whatever it is that we're trying to get through you know in the beginning sometimes you fall right it's just like a kid learning how to walk again you know sometimes you fall down and sometimes you fall a lot but as long as you keep failing forward 
and 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 not doing anything too detrimental and not picking up and not using again and not you know doing all that stuff that that got you in trouble to begin with but as long as you continue to make that time in between the last time it happened further that's progress and everybody's progress is on their own timeline. It, you know, there's a, my progress isn't going to be the same as your progress. Your progress isn't going to be the same as the next person's progress. Right. But as long as we continue to move our, keep moving forward, it will at some point be less and less and less and less. And then to the point where it's like, you're so self-aware that it's, you don't even give it a chance to, to, you know, for me, it's anger, you know, and you know, that doesn't, I know what's going to happen even before it happens. So I either stay away from the situation or I catch it before it gets me in trouble where I, I have to apologize for something tomorrow that I did today. And that's really what I try to avoid because I hate doing that. Wow. Thanks. I love when you said falling forward. I was like, oh, I like that. Falling forwards. Yeah, yeah. Failing forward. I mean, I'm going to fail. Forwards. Failing forward. I love that. Yeah, I'm going to fail. Don't 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 get me wrong. It's going to happen. But as long as I fail forward instead of going backwards, I'm okay. You know, and as long as I have people around me that are supportive and, you know, care about me when I can't care about myself sometimes, because it still happens even today, you know, where I feel those, you know, those like self-defeating thoughts and, and all that other stuff. Um, but it's just knowing what to do with them now and not running away from them and running into, um, you know, substances to, to, to hide. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, but and it manifests in other places. So I, mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, I had to learn that that um, all of that stuff was just a symptom of what's really wrong with me, um, and I could use other things outside of myself, like food, or go back to my addiction of excitement or telly. I mean, te- the telly is so addictive when you've got like Netflix. And you've got all these different things. And it's like, you know, I can't watch one episode. If I'm going to watch something, I'm all in for a full series. So I have to, whatever <laughs> I do, like, I have to plan it. I only, I only, I only watch this stuff, like, once in a while because I'm all in for however long it is. The point I'm trying to make is that um, it shows up in other areas and I've had to continue to heal and look at myself and do important work around... Um, you know, sitting and being silent and uh, and being with me and being happy with me, whatever, whatever, however that shows up. Absolutely. I want to take a moment right now just to let everybody know, um, especially the people that are listening on the audio only when this goes out, is that the alcohol, we're talking about alcoholism right now. So if this is triggering to you or if you're struggling with this or you identify with this and you're in the States, I don't know what the number is in the UK um, for the, the national hotline for Alcoholics Anonymous, but the number here is in the United States is one eight eight eight. 685-5770. That's 1-888-685-5770. 
and on the ticker tape below, I've got a, a thing running because Amanda did a, uh, a blog post on self-sabotage and the direct link to that and all the direct links that I'm going to be flashing up here are available in the description or they'll be in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast later on. So all of that information, you can just go there and, and hit the direct links. And she also gives a lot of information or a lot of book uh, choices too. And I'll go over those too before we get out. But those links uh, to Amazon uh, directly are in the show notes or description as well. So if you you know see one of the books that you think would be interesting and just hit the link and it'll take you right to Amazon. And it is a affiliate link. So no full disclosure, you know, uh, if you buy from, from this, it will help the show. So uh, just, just saying, <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, and if, and, and Amanda, if you know what the number is in your area, throw it in the private chat and I'll throw it up here too, in case anybody is watching in the UK as well, if not, but you don't have to do that. It's up to you. Um, what, so now, you know, we've, we've gotten to the point where you are, um, you know, where we are, where we're at. Right. Mm -hmm. And tell me about how you went from have, having to work uh, a real job and sort of manifesting the life that you want, because now you're a full-time coach, you're and a full-time yoga instructor or, or, or doing, you're, you're doing what you love and what you want to be doing, which is probably helping you show up a lot better in your life as well, too, because you're happy and you're feeling like your purpose, you're driven and you're in your, you're in your space, right? So I'll just give you a quick sort of idea of what I did. Um, I left school at 15 with no qualifications. And when I got sober, I went to school and I did an academic degree and I got uh, a BA honours in history. And then I did a master's degree in journalism. I, I wanted to do theology, but I had this idea that I would become normal if I could get a job, you know, make myself, you know, you fit into society. And so I did my master's degree in journalism and I did get a job in the environmental sector, which is where I wanted to be working in. And a lot of it is like, you know, kind of, you know, I started to, it, I was chasing a sense of fitting into society's norms. And suddenly I realized that all of that stuff that I never believed in was actually stuff that I had right. And that I didn't have to be anything. And so I, packed my job in and I went back to school again and I did a diploma in coaching and I started coaching people um, around things like self-sabotage, low self-worth and um, when I, st I knew it was my purpose like a year after I got sober but I didn't have the guts to do it and I was suddenly, you know, I was, I was on new territory. Amanda was learning how to be a grown-up in a grown-up's world, you know, and I, I had forgotten about the rebellious side of me that really wanted to do things the way that I wanted to do them, and that lit up in me again, and I left the job, and I started coaching people, and I've never looked back. This is like, I, I love it. My With my alcohol, my addiction stuff, I, I do my service for free for that. This is how I created my own business. It's all based on um, lots of wisdom truths that I've learned people that I've spoken to, uh, research with my clients. Um, I'm forever digging and looking for solutions to help other people with um, 
with their own problems. And the reason why it's spirit rebellion is because spirit for me is the uh, expression of your limitless potential and rebellion is doing it your way because no two people are the same. Why should we fit in to social norms that don't that don't work for us and that just put us in these boxes that we don't want to be in. So that's what my company is based on. I'm really proud of it. I love what I do. It's a blessing. I'm happy every day. So yeah, thank you. You're right. No, that's amazing because I mean, there's so many people out there, especially now the pandemic has, has, you know, for a long period of time, it's forced everybody to be, you know, locked in and sort of figure out, you know, what, what it is they want to do. Um, you know, maybe it was an unintended consequence, but most people started, uh, you know, picking up old passion projects. They started, uh, really thinking about, okay, well, is this the kind of life that I want? You know, am I, am I where I want to be? Is this something I even like doing or am I, you know, it just forced people to really, I think, think about things and, Mm -hmm. and take a pause and, and understand, you know, kind of like, all right, well, what's important? you know, what, not just what's important, just what's important to you. Right. And, and that happened for me and, you know, what I was willing to sacrifice pre COVID post COVID, I'm not willing to sacrifice anymore. And that is time, you know, time is very important. And I don't think that at least I didn't understand how important time was time with my daughter, time raising my daughter, uh, time spent with my daughter, all of these, these things. Cause she's four years old or going to be four in August. And, you know, in the current, you know, job that I was doing before it, it didn't, it, it took a lot of time. And I spent, you know, anywhere from 10 to 14 hours a day committed to, you know, this job and the career and the trajectory I was going to. And once COVID hit, I started, you know, seeing my daughter more because I co-parent with with my ex. And it was like, no way. I can't. I was going to give this up. And it just forced me to start thinking about things differently and like, how am I going to pivot out of this to, to make more time, you know, for my daughter raising her, you know, not trying to give her the life that I wish that I had had, but trying to teach her the things that I wish that I'd known. Right. Which I think is way more valuable and important than, than, you know, throwing things at her. You know, so it's, it was, it, it was a, it was a great thing that happened, even though there was a lot of bad things that came on the, on the, you know, the wake of, of the lockdowns. But, you know, if you, if you were able to find some gems within there for yourself, you know, I think that was the, uh, that was the, the great takeaway from it. I mean, I love what you said, like teaching your daughter, the things I wished I'd known. I mean, that, that could be a title of a good book, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there, <laughs> and we, we're living in a world that's changing so fast that we're having to recreate and refind out what actually what's important now might not have been the same then. And we're kind I think we're kind of taught that our beliefs and values and identity is stuck. And it's like, well, how can they be stuck if the world is changing at such a, a pace? You know, surely we have to keep learning and and letting go and shedding things, especially to teach the next generations. I just loved how you spoke about time. Like, so the week, the week of our first lockdown, I launched a program called Finding Freedom Within by total accident. 
my local yoga studio just asked me to do it and 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 I was this close to losing my business and instead I was up and running and one of the main things that I teach on that program is that like we have this sense of I don't have time I don't have time and we're running around doing all this stuff and we don't have time like we make time so mm-hmm. your life is made up from what you prioritize and if you're not prioritizing the, the things that you value the most you have to reshuffle your time <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's exactly what I, I've been trying to do. Unfortunately, I haven't really been able to turn that corner yet. And it's gonna happen. And I'll probably have to go back to the job that I don't really particularly care for, for at least another six months, maybe a year while I finish it out. Because it's like, I've, I've done so much to try and build what I'm doing. But there was a lot of things that I didn't know. And because I'm I'm not a business person, right? I'm not, not that I can't be, I just don't know how to be and I'm not educated in it. And, and I was looking in the wrong places while I had all this time off, you know, I did not realizing that, Oh, you have a book that you want to write. Well, you don't have to write it. You're a podcaster. You speak all the time. All you need to do is just put a structure out there. But I didn't realize that until, you know, maybe a month ago. And so, it's, uh, you know, a lot of these things are, are coming to light at, you know, a little bit late, but that's all right. I mean, it's better to have some sort of a plan than no plan at all. Absolutely. And I love um, that you're vocalizing it because I think that we're taught that there's something that we have to hold things close to us so we don't look foolish if it doesn't manifest. But I believe the opposite. I think go out, say everything that you want and go after it. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter because nobody else really cares anyway. And our own our own failures are our greatest asset because if you don't have a degree in business, you're sure as hell going to learn by your own mistakes. And that's how you get to a place of success, in my opinion. Yeah. And then, then learning how to incorporate people and ask for help, which was something that I never, ever wanted to do because I always felt like, well, if I'm asking for help, then I'm admitting that I'm weak. And if I'm admitting that I'm weak, then maybe people will think I'm a failure. Well, it's quite the opposite. Like you said, it's, you know, a lot of our strength comes within our weakness and yeah. and the ability to reach out and ask for help. And the magic is in the struggle right? Mm-hmm. All the magic is in the struggle from, from no matter what we do. Yeah, I agree with you. And I actually think that when I asked for help, it was the most powerful thing that I ever done. <laughs> the paradox of what we think. And it took a million people to put me back together. I was so broken. I got so much help. I can't even tell you. And I got it every place it was offered. I took it. And I don't, I, you know, I'm proud of that. I think that's amazing. You know, I think we live really separated lives. We all live individually. People don't speak and talk about their problems the way they should. We should all be uplifting and giving each other. You know, not, we only have one lifetime each. So if we collaborate them together, we'll learn so much more, so much quicker. But I didn't get here sitting here today by myself. I am alive because of um, my divine, my divine power you know, and other people who helped me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying that. And uh, it's, it's absolutely true. 
So we're gonna we're gonna start winding this down here. Uh, Seven forty nine. We're ten minutes on the hour. I have to cut out of here at exactly uh, eight o'clock my time. I've got an appointment that I need to go to and get uh, let, go to the doctor so they could release me back to work so I can go go back to that grind that I so so desperately don't want to go back to, but. <laughs> that's a that's a that's another story for another day um but let's talk about a couple of these books that you um mentioned i'm going to read them off and then you tell me which one had the most impact uh on your life so you had the untethered soul the power of now mm -hmm. the power of intention mm -hmm. a return to love the book of secrets mm -hmm. The AA Big Book, mm -hmm. the Bible, yeah, and the Bhagavad Gita. Is that how you yes. say that? Yes, right. which is the ancient Indian um, scripture. So all, all of, of those, them, yeah. You know, they all have a similar message, which is that we all have point and purpose, and that divinity is among all of us and for all of us. You know. They they all say that in one way or another, I guess. So it's pretty much, I mean, like anything. Any, so the moral of the story with anything, uh, anywhere, with people involved is the answer lies within you. Absolutely. You don't need to seek. Like most of the problems that I've ever had or even the problems that I, I have now when I start with me, I never really need to go much further than that because I find where the issue is. And, you know, I mean, unless something, you know, uh, unless I'm victimized in some way by something, you know, somebody comes and, and, you know, throws a, a rock at my car or, or, you know, some silly thing like that, which, I mean, you might even bring that on yourself too, depending on mm -hmm. where your mind is and, and, you know, what you're attracting. Uh, Cause that's a real thing. You know, the energy you put out there in the universe and, and all that stuff that's connected, we're all connected in some way, shape or form with energy. Um, you know, we're just I always say that we're just these big meat antennas and our, our brain is this big antenna. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we put out these energies, you know, into the universe and, you know, you call it God, you can call it whatever you want. I choose the universe that works better for me. Um, and what I get back when I'm in that flow Right. When I'm in that flow of wanting and, and, and I'm putting energies out there and I'm and I'm just like in it, in it, talking about it. This is what I'm going to be doing. These are the, the, the goals that I'm making that puts me it puts it all right in the forefront. So usually we we're getting opportunities thrown at us right and left, you know, throughout the day as we're going through or throughout lifetimes as we're walking. But when we're not in that flow and we're not in that space, we miss them. And they just kind of go right by us. And we never even knew that they were there. But once you have that intention, now it's in the forefront of what you want. And as you see those opportunities flying by, you can snatch them out of the air and go, oh, I could use that. Oh, I could use that. I see that now. And it's just really, it's really crazy how the mind works, man. The mind is very powerful. And... It, 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 it can, it, but it could also be trickery too. You know, the mind can play tricks on you and it's just, you just got to know how to tame it. And once you figure out how to tame your own mind and realize how it works in, in, in your situations, um, I think that's the key. 
Okay, lovely. And so that will bring me on to the book, which I call my Bible, which is The Untethered Soul. The first one on the list, The Untethered Soul, is about us not being the mind, us not being our emotions and these reactions, but us being something that sits behind all of that. And once you can learn to be in that and watch the mind, not necessarily control it or judge it, but just to recognize that it isn't who we are and that we have different ego states and that we're coming from these different places that isn't really who we are, the stronger we can connect to self. And like you said, like alignment is everything. You know, I always teach about input, output. Like it can be really simple, like your daily habits. If you're wondering why, you know, you, you don't feel great, look at the tiny things that you do. Like what time you get up, you know, your coffee, your food, your meditations, your what you're watching on telly, who are you hanging out with? What are you watching on TV? All of this input stuff, if it's all like below a five or a six out of 10, not good, not good, not good. That's why you're not creating what you want to create. So sure, have the big goals and the big dreams, but you have to fine tune the rest, fine tune all of the other stuff, and it will show you how to get there. Absolutely. I always say that too. You know, it's not about, I mean, not only do you have to really pay attention to what you put into your, your body and what you're eating and how you're sustaining yourself, that's important. But what you're looking at and what you're listening to are also important because if you're listening to, let's just say, I'll, I'll throw mainstream media out there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't say that, right? Um, it's very, like, when you start watching the news, it's it's all meant to, like, uh, literally just traumatize you because you're being thrown bam 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 bombarded with negativity and the more you fall into that the more you you become negative and start thinking in a negative manner so the best thing that i ever did was i stopped watching mainstream media and tv a long time ago me too over 20 years ago, I have, a, I have a master's degree in journalism and I don't watch the news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's harsh, man. And it's, uh, it tends to, like, I, I felt like I was being gaslit all the time by a, by a, <laughs> I was in a, I was in a, a unhealthy relationship with the mainstream media, uh, you know, being <laughs> gaslit by a narcissist, basically. <laughs> And so I, I I had to quit, man. I had to quit it. And, and that was the best decision I ever made because now my days are, you know, a lot less hectic and, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm in a better mood. You know, I, I am able to, you know, look at other things that, you know, help me along and, you know, whatever you want to like from podcasts to, to documentaries, you know, things that are teaching me something, things that are are helping me along my, my journey as to, you know, where I want to be, where I want to go and how I want to show up in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. I agree with everything you just said. So similar to my journey. Awesome. Well, we're going to wrap this up uh, about four minutes to the hour. You know, I'm kind of, uh, I wish I could go on a lot longer with you and talk more. Um, I do got some stuff to get to. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody, I mean, I got some of your stuff up here, like the spirit which is your website um, mm-hmm. and, and anything that you want to uh, say uh, parting out. 
Um, yeah, I just want to say that I have come on this incredible journey of total transition and transformation, but it didn't take one day. It took eight years and I'm still on that journey. I'm still not getting it all right. And there are still things that I'm healing from and working on. And so the most important thing I'd say to anybody starting a journey of nowhere to go, but up, yeah, is just for today, you know, just do one good thing for yourself today and then tomorrow and keep it going. Like don't, don't, um, don't compare yourself to anybody else's journey. It's progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. You are a divine creature. We all are, you know, give yourself a break. Yeah. And that's, that's great advice too. Don't, don't, stop paying attention to what other people are doing. You know, yeah. it's, it's don't compare you. Well, not, not paying attention. Don't compare yourself to other people's journeys. Cause you don't know, you know, where they started at, or, or, you know, you don't know anything about what their process was or what they've gone through. You know, you can only really worry about yours and how you're going to get to where you need to go. Mm. So yeah. with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign us out of here. Um, I do have another one planned for four 30 this afternoon with uh, my friend, Alexis uh, from Texas, Alexis from Texas. And uh, she's going to be talking to us about uh, a couple of different things and what she struggled with in her life. So um, I will see everybody a little bit later. And Amanda, I really appreciate you spending some time with me and uh, sharing your, uh, situation and your your struggles and and how you got through them oh my god thanks sean i just want to thank you so much for inviting me to come and talk today my first ever podcast we'll do another one in a year when i'm better at this <laughs> thank you oh your first ever one. Oh my god i didn't even realize that you had hadn't done one before so that's a, that's awesome well i'm glad to be your first <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> podcast virginity gone yeah yeah Thanks, there you darling. go Have all a right good day. Well, all right you too and i'll talk to you soon bye right, bye. bye everyone have a good day <laughs> you've been listening to the nowhere to go but up podcast sean is a single dad a union blue collar guy and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud when he was released from prison in 2006 all he had was the clothes on his back a bag of mail and some paperwork since then he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast we hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you were moved to connect to the show book a guest spot for merch patreon paypal and social media links go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up on instagram at nowhere to go but up now on twitter at but up now on the youtube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast see you next time